Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Eric Nalin, publisher, InsideTexas.com. It's our weekly episode called State of the Program. Uh, in it, each and every week, Eric, try to, Eric and I try to run down uh, where things are at for the Longhorns. Uh, this week, there is no bigger story, we don't think, than uh, Jordan Addison, the wide receiver out of Pittsburgh, uh, evidently making his decision sometime here in the next uh, several days to a week, possibly. Uh, Eric, uh, you and I have both reported on this. Uh, we're both hearing similar things right now. Yeah, I, I think uh, from the Texas perspective, they're, they're definitely in a, in a full throttle recruitment. I know a lot of the fan assumption is that he's going to end up at USC. He might end up at USC, but those assumptions aren't safe uh, and they're not sound assumptions. They're not based on the actual facts on the ground. So he might end up at USC. That's still the case. Uh, but also there's some confidence that Texas can still pull this off. Um, you know, UT caught a gift with uh, USC uh, allegedly uh, helping or, or uh, maneuvering him into the portal. Um, that opened the door for Texas to go in. And of course, they had the built-in relationship that everybody knows about and they're, they're trying to make the most of it. So um you know tech we're, we're following it like it's a live recruitment um and we're definitely not assuming and the, more importantly the people we talk to aren't assuming that that he's going to end up at usc that's not to say that they're going to get him it's just it's a real recruitment coming down to the coming down to the wire yeah we reported earlier today that we're hearing it's a two-team race between texas and, and usc um we don't think he's going to take a visit at this time or at least he wasn't planning on it as of last night uh to alabama or any other school. I'm, I'm being told now that that fourth school was Oregon, uh, by the way. Apparently, they are, they are not going to get that visit. Uh, maybe things change. You know, maybe, I mean, I, this is a, recruit, a recruitment that can be fluid, but it looks like it's narrowing or winnowing down to two teams, Texas and USC. Uh, Texas, obviously, with Brennan Marion, the wide receivers coach coming over from Pitt, continues to be a, a positive, I think, in Texas's uh, uh, corner. Uh, that familiarity with a, a coach on staff uh, may mean a little bit more than a quarterback who he had some tangential relationship with uh, as a high schooler, uh, and that's Caleb Williams uh, there. It sounds like to me that this is a Lincoln-Riley-Steve uh, Sarkeesian uh, battle in the, on the recruiting front. I'm told that uh, Riley is, is leading the way for USC while uh, Sarkeesian's leading the way for Texas, uh, so we'll have to see how this how this plays out, but Obviously, it's the Bolitnikoff Award winner, and uh, we're, we're waiting to see how this plays out. Um, moving on to the next subject, uh, Eric, uh, the Fo Fox uh, Sports came out yesterday and said that they're going to be, uh, they're going to accept the uh, Texas-Alabama, or broadcast the Texas-Alabama game, second weekend of the, of the year. All chances look like it's going to be the 11 a.m. kickoff in Austin for Texas-Alabama. Yeah, I think everybody's kind of assumed that for, you know, going on six months now uh, that, you know, they're going to play it in their their time slot. That time slot gets a ton of eyeballs, even though it's, it's kind of counterintuitive. You would think prime time uh, would be their big time slot. But 
uh, that game's going to get a lot of eyeballs no matter when you put it on. You know, you know, we'll, we'll have World Cup coming up here later in the year, and, and people are going to be up watching in the middle of the night. People would be up in the middle of the night to watch this game. Uh, so it doesn't really matter when they put it on, but they, they get a lot of eyes on that 11 o'clock or the noon kickoff as, well, as they uh, market it. Uh, so I know, you know, a lot of fans are upset. I can kind of get that. Um, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of uh, really interesting non-conference games uh, over the years, uh, especially recently, and certainly not while they were optimistic about Texas having a good offense, like, like I think a lot of people assume will, will be the case this year. So I understand why fans are upset, but uh, I think if there's any advantage, it probably does go to Texas a little bit. Uh, obviously, Alabama is used to the heat, but I think um, if, te if Texas can have success with tempo, at least gives them uh, more of a chance to get them on the ropes. Yeah, Texas doesn't have to travel either uh, in that heat. Uh, you know, not that, not that they're going to – the airplane will have air conditioning, but anytime you have a chance to lose more of your legs via traveling in, in the heat, it can matter. Um, I, I do want to say this as it relates to that. Uh, people often don't understand why an 11 o'clock start for a Fox may be valuable. Uh, the, the, the companies like Fox and ESPN make most of their money off of the actual shoulder programming around the actual live event. Most of the live event, event money goes back to uh, the teams that are playing. Uh, that's why they have these absorbent rights fees. So Fox's big noon kickoff, the lead-up show is where they Fox has all the rights to and doesn't have to pay any money for the lead up to that. And so by having having that be a competitor to college sport or ESPN's college game day uh, gives Fox a much needed boost uh, in an to an in an arm that you know has been second fiddle to ESPN uh, college game day forever. Um, Eric, going on to something that you wrote about today, I thought it was really really interesting. Uh, you wrote about uh, the team-led draft heading into this offseason back, I guess it happened back in the winter months uh, when uh, the team elected certain leaders and they started drafting. But you, you went further, you went deeper on this subject and it was really, really interesting. Uh, please tell the listeners uh, how, how it was described to you and what we're talking about here. Yeah, well, this issue kind of became uh, very well known with the Bo Davis uh, bus tirade. You know, the, it shouldn't it shouldn't have been Bo Davis making that uh, outburst. It should have been, you know, the fellow teammates. Um, and so I think that they realized at that point that they had an issue. And in this uh, this winter, uh, January, when the, the every all the new arrivals came in, um, they instituted this draft. And what the what they did was they assigned 18 captains and the, the team captains themselves are the ones that drafted the players. So. You know, it's one thing to know what the coaches think of you. You have those exit interviews all the time and, and you kind of know where you stand with them. But I don't think these guys really understand where they, they stand with their uh, uh, with their teammates. And sort of that it's sort of a peer review and it's going to mean a little bit more. Um, so what Sark did was after about uh, half of the team was drafted, they he excused the guys that had been drafted and had a discussion with the guys that were still waiting to be drafted and said, hey, look, you're in the bottom half of the team. This is this is how your, your fellow teammates view you, uh, your work effort, effort, effort and your accountability. It needs to improve. So then he brought in the rest of the team, uh, reunited the whole team again, and then they continued the draft. And then after about one round was left, about 10 guys or so, um, he excused the team again, except for the ones that hadn't been drafted. And then he said, look, you guys need to decide whether or not you want to be Texas football players. And I think that made a made quite an impression on him. And I think that went a long way towards the accountability that we reported about um, and, and the, the team camaraderie that, that seemed to improve quite a bit throughout the, uh, the, the spring months. It sounds like accountability is something that he's trying to teach from play from the team within as opposed right. to putting it all on himself or on the coaches 
Yeah, this competition wasn't about the athletic stuff. You know, that the, they were kind of uh, they were they were, they were out, outgoing with the uh, competition on Twitter. They, you know, this is how they decided the overall competition through an obstacle course or relays like that. But but it was really about personal accountability, punctuality, doing the right things in the weight room, doing the right things in the classroom. And they, they, they had a score that came up uh, based on that. And so um, it was more about just doing the right things and, and holding each other accountable. Um, they also had a shirt system that you just, that you uh, described in the article. How, how would you, it, it basically sounds like, uh, you get a, you get an orange shirt. If you, if you did everything we asked you to do a gray shirt, if you did most of what we asked you to do and a white shirt, if you just did something we don't like at all. Right. Yeah. You know, we had similar things in uh, high school, uh, gold shirts were the guys that put up the best numbers and then, you know, red shirt and then white shirt and gray shirt. Um, so I don't think it's anything new there, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a way that he could go in he'd walk in and see who's, who's in the white shirt and just shake his head and going, all right, this guy's not getting it. Uh, and you know, I, it, it ended up being about 80% in the orange shirts, uh, and then only 10% in the white and the gray. So that's, that's a pretty good, either they need to set their goals a little higher or, you know, that those guys were really doing everything asked of them. Yeah. Um, all of those things, you know, we, we talk about this and you and I have, have discussed it. Um, not only did Texas come up short uh, from a uh, on-field perspective last year, uh, it was how they came up short. They gave up a lot of second-half leads. Uh, the Bo Davis tirade that you mentioned uh, on the bus. Um, you know, we couldn't tell sometimes whether it was coaching, uh, lack of personnel, or lack of desire, uh, right? That, that uh, right. personal accountability, I would even call it, on that. It, it, do you think this, that's what this has meant to be for Sark, his, his idea of, okay, let's develop some team unity. Uh, not that this is anything brand spanking new. Coaches do this sort of stuff. Right. But is, is that what this is for him, a team building exercise almost? Yeah, and I think it probably goes back to what you and I talked about a week or two ago where you mentioned that he, uh, Sarkeesian had said that he was unable to build relationships with the team and foster relationships throughout the team. Uh, and I think they were lacking some some camaraderie as well. You know, um, some of the players that have had availabilities have talked about how much closer that they've become. Um, and, you know, the, the, the stronger your relationship with the player, the, the harder you're going to play in that fourth quarter when when the, the stuff's hitting the fans. Um, and so I, I think that I think they've taken a quality step there. I don't want to get out too far over my skis because, you know, that who knows what they're going to look like when adversity hits, you know, maybe uh Maybe they look, it's more of the same, but I think a lot of it also boils down to last year was just a confluence of so many different factors that led to that six game losing streak. And uh, I think we're very unlikely to see something like that again. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Um, you finished your article off today, and, and I thought it was a good one, by the way. If you didn't get a chance to read it, I would, I would highly encourage a subscription to InsideTexas.com. You finished your article off talking about uh, the GM position that you've been advocating for, I think, for quite some time, I think maybe even prior to Sark's arrival at Texas, um, and what that, how you envision that position and what Sark's response to it uh, aren't necessarily, um, uh, you know, they're, they're not necessarily different. I, I, I mean that by, even though you say 
hey, I think Texas needs a GM. And, and Sark says, well, I want to be the GM. I want to, I want to pick right. the groceries. If I'm going to be the, if I'm going to be the chef, I need to pick the groceries. I don't think that, that what you envision the um, GM being is necessarily the person doing the spot on evaluations or having the final say from an evaluation standpoint. You just think that the GM needs to get everybody in front of the right players. Is that, is that your yeah. idea of what a GM is? Yeah, when I say GM, I think a lot of people just assume that the relationship is similar to what it is in the NFL, and I don't mean that at all. A GM on the college level uh, would be subordinate to the head coach without a doubt. It would be a pretty clear line of who's in charge and, and who's there to assist. And so, uh, yeah, I'd see him more of an assistant that takes on the head coaching roles that he doesn't necessarily have time for or, you know, that they can collaborate on. And that's why when I wrote about it, I advocated that it should be a, a former head coach or, or, or a coach that's, look, that's aspiring to be a head coach that maybe has some other uh, holes that he needs to fill out. There's a lot, of, lot going on to be a head coach. Maybe uh, we know Brett Venables is ready to be a head coach based on uh, his defense, but we don't know if he's ready to be a head coach based on his managerial skill. Uh, and so there's a lot of different ways you could use that uh, sort of GM role, but uh, clearly he would be subordinate to the head coach. Um, there's just so much going on. You've got NIL, you've got uh, the portal. Um, but now to his credit, he's, you know, he's, he's building out, he's building out some roles that um, make sort of him being the GM a little bit easier. You know, he added the uh, uh, Bobby Merritt to, to run the uh, basically portal evaluation, the portal recruiting wing. Uh, of course, he's got uh, Gary Patterson that takes on some of those GM roles that I described. Uh, but yeah, I think we're, we're sort of on the same page. Uh, we just kind of have a different uh, definition of what the GM is. You know, I, I, I agree with you. And I think that change is coming uh, to the NCAA. We both know that. What, what uh, uh, vision it will be, we don't know. Uh, we know that uh, they're going to, it sounds like they're going to allow as many coaches as, they, as you want to be on your staff, as many evaluators as you want to be on your staff, you're going to probably be able to contact recruits whenever you want to. I mean, all of this stuff is, is a, a more, uh, more down the road, more scholarship, more scholarship players in each class still have to be within the roster. Everything to me is setting up for the big dogs to really poach and do whatever they want on the, the lesser schools uh, when the, when the giant, when the real realignment occurs. Uh, and so the, the big schools, luckily, if you're watching this, you're a fan of one of those big schools, even though it doesn't always seem like it over the last couple of years. Um, they're going to have more resources and more ability to fully build out these uh, much larger enterprises than they were 10 years ago. Yeah. I, I feel like there's so much up in the air right now uh, that it's hard to really grasp and, and know what's, what's real and what's not. Uh, but it's clear right now uh, that Texas is doing well in the portal. Uh, you mentioned the, the hire that they had uh, Jordan Addison's recruitment coming down Uh where are you at on, on Addison? Let's, let's, let's close with that because I think that's the hottest news uh, in the Texas football universe, universe right now. Uh, where are you at on this Addison recruitment from a, is he going to Texas, going to USC? He doesn't know, still making up his mind. Where are you at? Uh, I don't think he knows for sure. I think he wants to reunite with his position coach. Uh, what's harder to get um, uh, a grasp on is, you know, who else is in his ear? Um, you know, and, and there's other factors, of course, going on with NIL uh, portal recruiting. But I think I, I feel strongly he wants to reunite with his uh, position coach. Now, you know, we're going to have to find out if, it, if he wants it bad enough and if he's the one that's uh, if, it, if his decision making process is a collaboration or if, or if he's the one with the final call. Gotcha. Well, I, I think it'll be interesting. A lot of Longhorn fans uh, very interested. It would give Texas four uh, what I would call frontline receivers not necessarily first-round draft picks like Addison is, 
or maybe one that Xavier Worthy looks like. But Jordan Whittington and Isaiah Nayor certainly uh, are frontline guys as well. Add, had them to a guy like Bijan Robinson, uh, and all of a sudden uh, the Texas offense looks like it's as loaded as it's been in, in quite some time. Eric, anything you want to add before we get going today to the state of the program? Uh, no, you know, we'll probably get some state of the program type information tomorrow. Uh, Sark is at the Touchdown Club uh, in Houston. Uh, I'll be there. Joe Cook will be there. Uh, he's also meeting with the Texas Exes tomorrow night. I think uh, Joe will be there. And of course, I'll be there again. So, um, you know, just it, it's fun. To, it's fun to chronicle it. But, you, you know, the velocity of all this stuff is moving a whole lot faster than it ever has. And, and it is it is sort of sort of hard to keep up. You wonder how the coaches manage it uh, themselves. It's been crazy. I mean, you and I know this. I mean, we we've been doing I've been doing it for 25, 30 years. You've been doing it for at least 15 or so. You get into these. OK, well, May, you kind of get off. Usually, uh, yeah. we usually have some time to go on vacation or June when the kids get <laughs> yeah. out of school. But now, with the, the they moved the two signing days to yeah. December and February, okay? And then, additionally, you have portal recruiting that's going on in April and May, as well as yeah. the end of spring ball. It, it's, uh, it's nonstop, and it's, it's, it's interesting because we're living it and doing it for the first time, just like a lot of fans are. I know fans are like, when is this like constant flow of information going to stop? And the reality of it is, is you and I are doing it for the first time also. I mean, we, we're, we're accustomed to having a couple of days off here and there, uh, yeah. but uh, things have changed. Well, yeah, there's been in the past, there's been stress. Hey, what do you write about in May? And, you know, there's not not having that stress anymore is actually pretty nice. But, yeah, I mean, when that portal was really going crazy in January, I had friends hitting me up left and right telling me how much they loved it. And I was sitting there going, I hate it. <laughs> it's tough to track, man. Well, I, I tell you what, uh, Steve Sarkeesian uh, certainly – uh, trying to keep up the pace uh, in uh, recruiting as well. Uh, I thought the stuff on the team was was terrific today too, Eric. All right, for Eric Nalin, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been On Texas Football. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.